ready, aren't I? Thank you. You got my sound on. We're good to go. Uh, Jen, I appreciated that. Uh, I've never seen a prayer card that says her email is shut up, Jen. And I saw her before church. I said, what's that about? I mean, who still uses AOL <laughs> yeah, besides you, you know? He does too. And yeah, yeah, they just got out of the Stone Age. But anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, who uses Juno in here anymore? I didn't think so. Who knows what AOL is? You know, I have no idea. But Jen, I want to say you did a great job. And I had no idea that you would put that on there as a contact. And I thought you were 21 years old, all right? And so we'll leave it at that. I have no idea, but praise the Lord. How many can understand missions is in her? How many picked up on that? I said that last night, that urgency, it's there. Uh, it blessed me tonight to hear her testimony. Mark chapter 14, and praise the Lord for 40%, and uh, uh, pray that you get the rest of it. And uh, uh, the Netherlands, uh, the first missionary I ever commissioned in my position now in 2012 was was commissioned uh, when I took the position on January 2nd, 2013. I commissioned a young man to go to the Netherlands, and uh, he just got there learning the language. Uh, I know English they speak, but he was learning Dutch. We require all of our missionaries to learn the language God's called them. He was living in Belgium, coming across the border, and as he was sitting in a, um, in a booth uh, paying his toll, a truck behind him with... Uh, 22 tons of logs, uh, lost its brakes and ran right over him at the booth and uh, killed the attendee in the booth and killed him immediately. And he uh, had three babies. Uh, one was three months old, one was two years, one was three years. Uh, the Michelle family, I don't know if you remember them or not. Good family, good people. And God called them, but God took him home. And uh, that is a, a tough ministry, so pray for her as she gets into that. Hey, let's do this tonight. It's about 20, 15 till 8. I'll be done by 15 till 8 in the morning. So let's do two things at once tonight. Do a little, a little speed thing here. Can you, Mark chapter 14, are you there? And I want you to take your hand and leave it there and go back to 2 Corinthians with me uh, for just a moment in chapter 8. And uh, uh, the thought that my sermon title tonight is why do we... Remember Mary. Why does God want us to remember her? All right? And I could give it other uh, uh, titles. She has done what she could there in Mark chapter 14. I even was uh, last year uh, 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 taught a message out of this, what should I get out of a missions conference? And I used her as an illustration. And so tonight, as we start our message, and I'll get through it as quick as I can, I'll leave out a lot of illustrations, because I want to show you the scripture, all right? I want you to see this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, the Bible says, and Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, uh, uh, establishing the fact that they need to be part of this missions, faith, promise, grace, giving. Grace, giving, faith, promise, giving is above the tithe. You all know that and understand it. But let's look, moreover, brethren, that's us. We do you to wit, or to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. This grace was given to the churches of Macedonia. All right, and last night we preached about that church, did we not, to start the whole thing off? Verse 2 says, How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. 
Now, they did more than just talk about it. But I want you to show you here that they were not rich people, and they were afflicted. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They wanted us to take their support for us. Now watch this. Verse 5 is a key verse. And this they did. Not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves unto the Lord and to us by the will of God. So it was God's will for them to give themselves to the Lord first. It's not a wallet thing. It's a heart thing. It's not even a, uh, a wealth thing. It's a thought process. And the Lord says in verse 5 that he wrote there, the Holy Spirit had Paul write, that they first gave themselves to the Lord. That means they loved the Lord. And through their love for the Lord, they would give, because verse 5 says this was God's will for them. And I want to go right back down the food chain and let us remind us here in verse 1. It says, moreover, brethren, that's all of us in the church. And it's not how much money we have. It's not how much money we don't have. It's not what type of situation we're in or not in. Okay? That, has, that is irrelevant to what's going on here. But if you give yourself to the Lord first... And you show your love to Him. You can't help but be part of this. I didn't write it. Just unwrapping it for you. How many agree with that? Amen? Now, slide back to chapter 14, book of Mark. Jesus is getting ready to head towards the cross. The disciples have got their act together, they think. There's a victory party. Uh, the Simon the leper at Bethany had been healed, and I believe Lazarus had come out of the tomb. So they were having a meal, and Jesus was there. As we pick up this story, I want you to catch with me just the thought process here. And we look at verse 1. After two days was the feast of the Passover, and unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him Christ by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat to meet, there came a woman having an alabaster box. Now let's just look up here for a moment. That was not a square box. How many of you folks, I want to see if you're awake tonight, realize what a quart of pop looks like in a plastic container? How many, could you raise your hand as a witness? A quart of pop. Or can I say a liter or two liter? Yeah, now we're talking, you know, English. All right. Uh, quarts, American, liters, European. We're back to Europe, okay? So I mean what a two liter bottle of pop looks like. All right. This was the type of container that it was in. And it was made of stone. It was nard, spikenard. The most expensive perfume or uh, ointment coming out of India at that time. This was her 401k. This was what she could sell later on. This was her inheritance. It was worth almost a year's worth of money. In Connecticut, I think probably the average income up here, what, 
100000 a year. I don't know. Uh, it's an expensive area to live. So you take about $80,000 of that, and that's what she was breaking the bottle. Now watch this. Not only did she just take the lid off, but she opened the thing up where it could not be closed again. Watch the, the analogies here. And she didn't give a few ounces and keep the rest back in her bank account. She put it all on him. Now, I'm going to get to my point in just a moment. And I want you to see the importance of this. Because on, this is the only place in Scripture where Jesus says, wherever the gospel is preached, this is to be brought up also. Now watch it, verse, verse 3. The woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikered, very precious. And she break the box and poured it on his head. And there was some that had indignation within themselves. That's the disciples. And said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it may have been sold for the, uh, more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye? She hath wrought a good work on me. Why trouble ye her? What are you boys doing? Basically, he's telling them in a really correct way, shut up. Don't mess with her. She's got it going on, you know, and you don't, is what he was saying. Now, look a little closer, verse 7. For you have the poor with you always, and wherever soever you will, you may do them good. But me you have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body for the bearing, to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wherever soever this gospel shall be preached... Throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. What in the world did she do? What is he talking about? What does she have in her? Now, why does he want us to remember her? So that we can follow her pattern in our own life when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Amen? So tonight I want to give you five or six thoughts. It won't be long. I want you to saddle up. If you keep the outlines, every word I'm going to talk about tonight starts with the letter O, all right? I want you to catch this with me. Number one, I want you to see this with me. She was an ordinary person, just an ordinary person. She was in a place where she should not have been in this Palestinian world. I want you to understand this, that in Papua New Guinea, all the women sat on this side of the church. All the men sat on this side of the church. And you don't mix like, like uh, you're, you're Americans because you're sitting by each other. They can, the New Guineans, you're Americans and you're sitting by each other. But not to insult them when you go to church over there. Ladies, your husband loves you, but you sit over there and he sits over here. This is the top of the food chain in P&G. That is the bottom of it. I'm just saying that's how they live. That's not a good thing, but that's a true thing. And in this Palestinian culture where Mary come in there, her and Martha's sister, Mary Bethany, when she come in there, she, she could sit there and listen to Jesus teach or she could serve them but she stopped the whole meal when she got up and broke that bottle and the disciples watched her pour it on his head and they said what? say what what are you doing and Jesus wants us to know this when he gets a hold of somebody's heart when somebody heart, somebody's heart trusts him with all their heart, he never wants us to forget this. God always uses us. Now catch this. Ordinary people. Ordinary people. You say, well, you've got to have. No, he uses ordinary people. 
She was just a normal person. She was a lady that was uh, early in her life when her uh, brother was uh, put in that tomb, Lazarus. She had a, a bad day at the office. And when uh, uh, Jesus was eating at their house and, and, and Martha was doing all the work, Mary was sitting there listening to Jesus preach. And Jesus had to say, now, Martha, listen, you got a good, good work ethic, but man, you got a bad attitude, all right? You're much cumbered about. You worry about what people think of you, and you, you think all this work is great, and it's going to take you up the spiritual ladder. Okay, but can I remind you, back off from Mary, because she's listened to me preach, and she's listened to me teach. She has chosen that you say it the what? What kind of part? The better part. The good part. She's listening. Now, Mary would serve, but she was listening. So when I heard Jesus say that, I, I began to do a little study on Mary of Bethany. And she's mentioned nine times in Scripture. Three times, he's at Christ's feet getting instruction. Three other times, he's at Christ's feet getting comfort. And three other times, he's at Christ's feet telling how she should serve him. And when you add all these things up, you've got a lady that really is an ordinary person, but she knows what's going on. She knows Jesus is going to the cross. And she had to fulfill scripture in the book of Isaiah and Jeremiah that was written 700 years before. The disciples had missed it. An ordinary person. Can I tell you, God wants to use you as ordinary people in the ministry of this church that to reach the area here for Christ, but also be part of this missions program. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, what's it say in verse 3? Deep poverty. How many's ever been there? Great affliction. How many's ever been there? Amen. And boy, I'm telling you, we've had our pity parties, haven't we? Amen. And it all usually deals with family or finances. Well, I've learned a long time ago, when you give your family to God and you give your finances to God, everything is a lot better in your home. Am I right? Amen. Amen. But God will use ordinary people, not the big shots, not the hot shots. He'll use ordinary people. Number two, I see with Mary, I want you to catch this with me. She was an observant person. She was an observant person. Look at verse 8 in our text. I, we went off of verse 3 there, but look at, at verse 8 in our text. I want you to, to catch this with me. She hath done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint the body to the burying. Now, there's three types of people in every church. Three types of people here tonight. There's those that make it happen, those that watch it happen, and those that have no idea what is happening. And we've got to get us all together in the same church. I'm being honest here. I'm, I mean, how many of you folks have ever been in around something you didn't know was happening until it was over with? Amen? How many have seen people, they had no idea what was happening, but you did, and then you know they're just about to catch it. Amen? And you got that little smirk on your face. Don't say anything. Let it happen. She deserves it. Yes, yes, yes. And how many have ever been there? Last summer, I sat down on my back porch. Hadn't been there for a while. And uh, two summers ago. And uh, I was going to have my devotions. And uh, I had my cup of coffee early in the morning. I got one of those Coeg coffee makers. And I got uh, some, some uh, forgive my sisters. They bought me a year's supply of Starbucks coffee. Good stuff. And I, I made that and put my three creams in it and had my Bible, my, my book, I was going to write some notes, and, and, uh, and uh, I sat down, took a sip out of that coffee, and didn't realize that my tail end was hovering over two wasp nests 
with about the size of my hands that had been put there by the wasp, unknowingly to me. It did not take long, about the second sip of coffee, that a couple of those bees let into each side of my back end. And then more was to follow. I thought my trousers were on fire. Amen. I come up out of there, ha! And, I, and I'm beating my pants and hitting myself. And my wife's inside laughing and the door was locked and I couldn't get in. And one got me there and one got me there and I'm just going like this and she's laughing, open the door! And she let me in. She said, honey, I'm so sorry. I saw those bees out there last week, but I forgot to tell you about it. Wow. To this day, when I go outside to sit down anywhere outside, I try to be observant enough and look under if there's no bee's nest. Amen? And in this chapter of 14, Mary was the only one that had the wherewithal to observe what needed to be done. She was observant. You say, why would you bring this up, preacher? Because the disciples were there and they didn't catch it. They didn't get it. The chapter's set up in verse 1. They're there to catch him by craft. The chapter's set up in verse 10. Judas the Iscariot, their ring-leading bean counter, lying uh, uh, bank accountant for them. Nowhere in Scripture would tell, tell you that he was ever saved or any part of it. He was just a, a, uh, just a bean counter. He thought he was going to be counting beans for the new kingdom to come, for a new country. I would tell you, it starts to lay out there, but this woman, she had her heart on the future. And I want to encourage you tonight, God wants to use ordinary people, and he wants to use people that are observant. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, they first gave themselves to the Lord more than we hoped. Then, because this was God's will for them to do, and God put it on their heart to do this. Can I point out tonight, and i got to move quickly, not only was she ordinary, not only was she observant, number three, Mary was, obl- Mary was oblivious, oblivious to all the complaints. She paid no attention to those that criticized her. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, for it might have been sold uh, for more than 300 pence. Verse 4 says, and there were some that had indignation within themselves. I mean, them disciples wiped up, all whipped up. I don't know if it was uh, Peter or, or John or, or Matthew. I don't know who it all it was or Thomas. But we got Judas's name here. Uh, and I mean, they were up into a frenzy. What is she doing? She never paid attention. When you read this, she never reacted to them. She could care less what they thought. She could care less what anybody else thought. Can I take you to a sermon I preached to you last year in 2 Corinthians chapter 9? What to say in verse 6 and verse 7? That as a man purposeth in his heart, so let him what? Give. Not grudgingly. Because I want you to know as a man purposeth. God will never ask you to give anything in missions or to this church unless you already have it. Amen? That's a fact through Scripture. You'll never find anywhere in Scripture where the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, or God ever asked any of us for one thing unless we already had it. That's established. True? And all that woman had in, in her background, in her back, uh, in her closet, or in her room was that their, that, uh, that their, uh, that their secret uh, cash of money or that secret bank account or that secret inheritance. That, and, but it was her whole enchilada here. She didn't take the lid off. She broke it. 
And it didn't pour a little bit. It, she poured it all over there. And these guys got all upset. And she, I, they, people would call her a fool for God. People would call that she's too serious, this church thing. This church thing. They would think, man, this lady's about half crazy. She goes wide open. Amen. Uh, how many ever met somebody who's always wide open? Always wide open, you know. And I'm getting older. I'm slowing down a little bit. But, you know, I'm, I've been around a couple people. They need to shift it down a gear. Amen. How many have been around a person that's wide open with their worrying? They worry. Huh? Two of us? Three of us? How many have ever been wide opening, uh, wide open trying to manipulate how things are going to come out? Okay. How many have you ever met somebody that's wide open that will always trust God by faith? Hmm. A judge in Ohio, friend of mine, Cliff, county judge. He said, Brother Dan, I need you to come to my office to see me. I need to talk to you seriously. I said, yes, sir. And uh, he said, I want to ask you a question. Now, if you think I'm wrong, you stop me. Yeah, I know the law. You know the Bible. But my daughter wants to marry a missionary that wants to go to Boodle Boodleville out there with a bunch of pagan people on the backside of the jungle. And I may not see him for eight or ten years. Am I wrong to have you try to talk to them to talk them out of us? Out of this mess. I mean, I don't, boy, I don't want my grandchildren. I don't want my granddaughter. I don't, I don't want my daughter. Can you help me with this? I said, Judge, I would never come to you to take care of my speeding ticket. And you don't need to come to me to try to get me in front of God's will for your daughter's life and her husband's life. Step back. Step away. But they're oblivious to the dangers. They're oblivious to what it's going to take. They're oblivious. I know. That's how God works. They got to have just a little bit of faith. But that's going to be so hard on me and their mother. You'll get through it. All right. Three words of advice. Get over it. Three more words of advice. Trust in Him. Another more. Brother Cliff, lift Him up. But I'm just going to stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Ordinary people, true? Am I, am I right on this? Observant people. And people, you got to be oblivious and trust God with what He puts in your heart. Am I right on this? This is where the rubber meets the road. You see in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, it says they first gave themselves unto the Lord. That means they got right with Jesus with their trust. Deep affliction, deep poverty, great affliction, great poverty. They had nothing going on. And yet... This is so cool. God uses them when they walk with Jesus. So I want to say, number one, she was ordinary. Number two, uh, she was observant. Number three, she was oblivious. And number four, uh, I want to say this, verse six, she was obedient. It says, let her alone. Why trouble you her? She hath wrought a good work on me. She did what I put in her heart to do. She did what she could when she could, for the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Brother Millen, you don't do this for money. Brother Jen, Brother Jen, Sister Jen, you don't do this for money. Brother Marty, you don't do this for money. I don't do it for money. But yet money's part of all this. And aren't you glad that God had Paul under the Holy Spirit's direction Put this in the book of 2 Corinthians for us to see. 
And aren't you glad that here that in the book of Mark, uh, Peter's telling Mark what actually took place? And this lady was obedient to what God put in her heart to do. Now, if I can encourage us today, I want to understand this is not rocket science, but will you let God work on your heart and you obey what he puts in your heart to do when it comes to faith, promise giving or grace giving? You know, you have a card back here and we had a card last night. Before you can put anything on a card, something must take place here first. I tell people, uh, missions conference is a five-day business meeting with the Lord. The Lord already knows what He's going to need to take care of those missionaries. He's just got to bring us up to speed. Amen? Because sometimes we are oblivious to what God wants us to do. Sometimes we're not quite obedient as we should be. Amen? Because we think we're not ordinary. We're special. There's nobody in deep poverty as I am. There's nobody under great affliction as I am. Man, I can't even focus on missions. I can't even focus what I can do tomorrow. Hey, when you start to trust God with your tomorrows, your life will change. Amen? Now, let me give you the, uh, the next thing, and that is this. Number six, not only was she obedient, and, and when she, uh, number five, I mean, you'll see it in verse eight. She also was opportunistic. She took the opportunity. Today, I went walking. Preacher, I walked seven miles today, and I missed it going out from my hotel. It's called the donut shop on the left. All right. How many know where that is? So I'm just walking along, and I'd had my Cheerios for breakfast, you know, and and, uh, and I walked out. I had my wallet with me in case I die of a heart attack. Somebody can identify me. I, honestly, I found a guy that died in Australia on a hiking trail with three nurses. And he had no ID on him. And, the, uh, and he was an American. It was their own business. And he died while he was walking on this trail. And his car was locked. At, uh, in a, uh, he took a cab there to the trail. And he was supposed to take a cab back to the airport. And his family couldn't find him for 21 days. But if he had his wallet on him, they'd found that real quick. So that's why I walk with a wallet. Also, I had about $11 in my pocket in that wallet. So I'm coming by, and I'm about halfway hungry. I'd like to have a coffee. Been out there for about two hours. And I saw a donut shop up the road. Looked dark like it wasn't open. And I looked at that thing, and I'm just an ordinary hick walking down the road. But, you know, I'm taking a look there, and I may be oblivious to things, but I believe that thing was open. And I was in there, and I, I walked in there, and I observed that they were open. And I, they had giant blueberry-filled uh, cakes with white icing on top, and I love blueberries, by the way. And so I had enough where with me and looked down there, and there was two or three left. They're a dollar apiece, you know, and the coffee was $3, and I had five. I, I, I mean, I, you know what I did? I made a decision. I ate two of those things. And I got a large cup of coffee, and she put an extra shot of espresso. That's why I'm still speaking tonight. Amen. <laughs> now, it's not rocket science, is it? I had a need I wanted to take care of. You know, we can take care of us and throw the money out there and buy our coffee and blueberry Pop-Tarts or blueberry donuts. But when it comes to giving things to others... When it comes to doing what God puts in our heart to do, to do this missions that he's already got set up, can, can I encourage you, don't miss the opportunity. That's what the message was about last night. Your theme, while there is still time, why ought not we do our best? Well, preacher, I mean, I'm in great affliction. That's okay. 
You're normal. You're ordinary. But I'm in deep poverty. That's who God uses. That's okay too. Because when God gets your heart and you walk with Him and He touches your heart and you love Him first, then you will give because that's God's will for you to do that. Amen. Let me give you the seventh thing or the sixth thing and that is this and I've got to hurry. And it's the last thing. We'll remember Mary till the end of time to while the gospel is being preached for the last others this. She went over and above. She went over and above. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 4, they gave to their power, yea, they gave beyond their power. You know, I don't want to get into it tonight for time's sake, but I want you to understand, she did not put out there just a few ounces. She broke the whole box. You know, she knew she was on the winning side. She did not understand everything, but she did understand that Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. She didn't know who Judas was, that he would be the betrayer. She didn't know it would be for 30 pieces of silver, but she knew the time was coming, and the time was at hand, and God put it on her heart. The Holy Spirit took that ordinary young lady, that observant lady, oblivious to the complaining, oblivious to what it was going to cost her, and she was obedient to what God put in her heart, and she took the opportunity when she had it, and she went above and beyond what would have been required by man. But she wanted to make sure that Jesus got it all. You know, I back up my message. and Remember the boy with the five loaves and the two fishes? How much of that sack did he give to the Lord? Wow, and that little lady with two mites... The last thing Jesus did before he started to the cross, watching a lady put an offering in at the temple. How much did she put in? All of it. Boy, they didn't have many American genes in their bodies, did they? We'd have our calculators out and making sure we got that to the 10th and maybe to the 11th percent. Well, we'll stretch it to 12 and we got her down to the percentages. Why don't we just trust God with all of it? Now listen very carefully. We're to remember Mary because Mary did what she could when she could. And tonight you found out why she did that. Because she'd given herself to the Lord and that was God's will for her and God impressed on her heart to do it. Did she count the cost? No. She knew God was going to bless. How would you like to be remembered that way? Amen? As you close your Bibles tonight, I'm going to give you one story. Mary... Of Mark 14. There was a Mary in my ministry in the cans. I call her Mary of cans. She would come to our church and cancer attacked her about her third year in our church. She did everything to stop it but couldn't. It was a, she got the death notice and from the doctors. I was with her, and with her for three or four days and her husband and gave her a year to live at the most, maybe six months. She said something I'll never forget. Pastor Dan, I I've never really done anything for the Lord except go to church. Now I need to do something for God, and I only got six months to a year to do it. What can I do for the church? I said, well, you can stamp our tracks, put our name in all our tracks. She said, okay, I want to do that. And uh, make a long story short, over the next uh, six months, she stamped 5,000 tra- t- uh, tracks, and the cancer was eating her up, and the last 300, we had to help her with them. But she did them. And on her deathbed, she said something to me. She said, I wished I'd taken the opportunity 
when I had it. I knew 20 years ago that God wanted me to do more, but I just didn't. You know, and I buried her six months later. Another Mary I remember in my ministry is Mary of Kilakila. She heard a man preach, John Gray, preach a year before I went to New Guinea in 1992 at a revival service. And she walked out of that service, didn't trust Christ as her personal Savior, but went off into a life of sin. I didn't meet her until seven years later. She was full of AIDS. I picked her up at the hospital with her two boys. And uh, uh, when I picked them up, uh, she had open sores. And I drove them to church that Sunday morning. And she got saved after the church service. And she, I couldn't understand her language. And, and she could understand my English and could speak it. But she said she had this disease. I thought it was like the flu and my people told me that word she's using is a word for AIDS. And preacher, she's, we don't want her coming back. She'll infect our people. So we took her home to the hospital. I saw, I said, I'll be by to see you the next week. And we took my truck and boiled water that afternoon and washed our whole truck down inside and out, peroxide it and everything. So no one would get sick. And she said, uh, Pastor Dan, I want you to bury me. I'm going to die here in the next six weeks or so. Can you do that for me? Yes. She said, I made a bad choice. I could have got saved when I heard the gospel the first time back in 1992, but it's 1999 now. And Pastor Dan, they're going to take my kids away. My family is. And I talked with the song leader tonight before the church service. I have a picture of her brothers I was with last year. And she said, it. I want to let you know that I had an opportunity to get saved years ago but I didn't want to because I thought it was going to cost me something. Mary died the next week. And when, before she died, they took her boys away from her, a three-year-old and one-year-old. First time I'd ever seen them fork a person. They took two giant sticks, three of them. They were like, just like a V. They'd cut them off of trees and one brother got her by the neck and the other two brothers got her by her legs and held her down. Didn't want to touch her. She was an open sore. And they took the two boys from her. Wrapped them in rags and carried them and put them in the back of a truck and took off. Said, preacher, you bury her and take care of her. My wife and I'm standing there. And that young lady, I'll never forget it, rolls over in the dust. Dirty, bleeding. Has been screaming for about 10 minutes, losing her kids. Now, there's no laws in New Guinea about this stuff, by the way, folks. And she said, I wished I had made the right choice years ago. She died about a week later. We buried her, helped great, dig the grave, put 300 pounds of lime in that grave on top of that plastic thing she was wrapped in. There was no box. And we put a marker on the grave, said, here lies Mary of Kila Kila. She died on March 1999. What a story. Now, I remember her for making the wrong choices. But she got saved in the end. I remember the other one. She was saved, but she never really got serving till the end. But I remember Mary of Bethany. She did what she could, when she could. Isn't that a blessing to see? And that's why Jesus wants her remembered, for us not to miss the opportunity when the Holy Spirit works in our lives. 
Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, we come to you tonight. It's not only a missions conference, but it's a conference, Lord, where we need to get our hearts right with you. And God, I want us to understand that, that we love you. And our love is expressed by not only worshiping you, but Lord, also giving to you. And I pray, Lord, that you'll touch our hearts tonight. And who can say, Brother DeLong, Pastor Schott, I'm an ordinary person. And tonight I've learned the thought, like Mary, to observe and to trust and be obedient and take the opportunity to now, now to do what God puts in my heart concerning faith promise giving or grace giving and the ministries of this church. Would you pray for me that I would be faithful to what the Lord puts in my heart to do? Could you raise your hand as a testimony? God spoke to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I'm telling you, half the hands went up tonight. Anyone else? Say, you know what the Lord worked on my heart with the trust or faith? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Lord, we give you this invitation. We give you these thoughts. We thank you, Lord, and praise you for your scripture and how we can take it and apply it in our lives here at Harvest Baptist Church. God, these are good people here. They love you. May you strengthen them and encourage them in these days, Lord, to be faithful to do what you put in their hearts to do. Father, we pray these things in your name. Pastor Sean.